Welcome to Nationwide Market Insights for December 6th, 2022. This is Brian Kirk. November's jobs report showed surprisingly strong hiring and faster growth in average hourly earnings, suggesting little easing of labor market conditions. What does this tell us about the overall economy? And how could this affect the Fed's decision to continue with their aggressive rate hikes? Today, I'm joined by Nationwide's Deputy Chief Economist, Brian Jordan, and Senior Economist, Ben Ayers, to discuss the recent jobs report and what it tells us about the direction of our economy. Ben, Brian, thank you for joining us. Hey Ben, let's start with you. Non-farm payrolls rose by 263,000 in November, extending a strong run of gains despite concerns that firms would begin to cut back hiring. So were these increases felt across all sectors equally? Hey Brian, thanks for having us here. You know, know, the two sectors really led the way. First was healthcare, and secondly is what we call leisure and hospitality, which combines all the jobs we see at restaurants and and in the entertainment sector, as well as at hotels and other forms of accommodation. And and when you add those two sectors up, they comprised about 60% of the 263,000 job gains that you mentioned in November. So clearly a big push of hiring there. Um, Not really too surprising given what we're seeing from job openings. These are two of the sectors with the most job openings, particularly when you look at leisure and hospitality, a sector that's still right-sizing post-COVID. So there's still been a lot of push to try to get people into those jobs. And in many cases, when you think about healthcare as well, some of the burnout that is experienced over the course of the pandemic, been very hard to get workers to come into those. So not surprising to see that those are two ones that did quite well. On the other end of the spectrum, we did see that retail trade declined by about 30,000 jobs on a seasonally adjusted basis over November. Uh, really, when you look into the details there, it's not that we didn't actually add people into that the, the retail sector. We just added fewer than we usually do. So you know, we, the actual non-seasonally adjusted number did increase just as we would normally see in the last quarter of the year in the run-up towards the holiday shopping season and all the activity that we see for retailers at the end of the year. What this tells us is that many retailers didn't add as many workers as they usually do over the course of November. And so we actually saw a decline when you seasonally adjust that compared to prior Novembers over the past, say, 10, 20 years or so. Yet again, hard to really determine why that is. It could be in one case, many some retailers might not be adding as many workers as they normally do because they're looking at costs and trying to cut things back. But probably more likely, they're just not able to find the workers again. You know, these are sectors that have had difficulty attracting workers because there's so many other great job opportunities and other higher paying sectors. And so in these cases, they're just not able to add as many. But as you mentioned in the opener, probably the biggest headline from the November jobs report was the increase in wages. We saw average hourly earnings rise by 0.6%. This is the fastest pace since January. And on a year-over-year basis, we saw wage growth pick up to 5.1%. So very strong gains there, much faster than we thought we would see. Uh, And certainly telling us that the labor market remains very tight, that there continues to be this big imbalance between the demand for labor and the supply for labor, and that's pushing up wages across the economy. And as we'll talk about, I'm sure in a little bit, that has some important implications, both for inflation expectations, but also for reactions from the Fed. Yeah, thanks, Ben. Brian, let's turn to you for this next question. Yeah, obviously, it's great to see 
If so many jobs were added to our economy, yeah, but with the higher labor costs that Ben was talking about there and a potential downturn ahead, how sustainable are these increases in payroll? So it's a great question. I would say that they are unsustainable for, for two reasons. Number one, Ben mentioned the increase in wages now at 5.1% on a year-over-year basis. That's been a driver of Federal Reserve policy throughout 2022. It'll continue to be a driver of Fed policy in 2023. Fed Chair Jerome Powell said after the last FOMC meeting in early November that strong labor markets, the recent strong jobs report prior to that meeting um, was one of the determining factors in leading him to the view that the Fed is going to have to do more than he had previously anticipated. And so because wage growth has been strong, because the labor market has been strong, we're going to get more interest rate hikes, or at least the Fed is planning more interest rate hikes in 2023, more restrictive monetary policy. But because we've had restrictive monetary policy or moved towards restrictive monetary policy throughout much of 2022, at least, we are already seeing some early hints of a slowdown in the labor market. As strong as these numbers are, and plus 263,000 on non-farm payrolls is very strong. It was a very broad, for the most part, a very broad report increases in most sectors. It still represented some slowdown and jibed with some other indicators suggesting some slowdown in the labor market. This plus 263,000 equaled the softest sequential change in employment since December of 2020, when we had, at least for one month, a negative print on on non-farm payrolls. And again, very much um, jibing with other labor market metrics lately. Job openings have been very jagged, but on balance have slowed in, in recent months. Online job postings have come down, not dramatically, but they've eased. In, in recent months. And jobless claims, still very, very low, still reflective of a tight labor market, are off the lows of earlier this year. So the labor market is still very strong, but it is in the process of slowing. And given the fact that the lingering strength is encouraging the Fed to, to tighten further and will encourage the Fed to tighten further in, in 2023, we can expect more slowing next year and beyond. So gains of, of this magnitude likely not, on, not sustainable for a prolonged period. Now, thanks, Brian. Ben, back to you now. We continue to hear about employers having difficulty finding workers. I'm sure those in our audience right now that are waiting in a drive-thru line for their order, waiting and waiting and waiting to get to that window, and they're probably wondering, why can't they find employees for this place? Any improvement in labor supply in the data from the, what you saw in November? Unfortunately, we, we actually saw the opposite, and we saw signs that, unfortunately, labor supply continues to be weak and even actually get, getting a little bit worse over the past couple of months. The labor force participation rate dipped for a third consecutive month to 62.1%, uh, and that remains well off where we were in pre-COVID era, and I think that the concept of us getting in or close to that pre-COVID number anytime soon has pretty much evaporated over the past three to six months as they continue to see more and more people sitting on the sidelines, not coming back into labor force and continue to make it very difficult for many workers to find the qualified labor they want to bring on. In fact, when you look at the size of the labor force after it's dipped the past couple months, we're actually back below 
the pre-pandemic peak that we had in early 2020 from the total size of the labor force. And yet again, for the past almost three years now, we would have expected that we would have seen increases in the size of the labor force. We would have seen, you know, one or two million people come into the labor force each year, particularly as you see many of the, the college college age or, or high school age, they graduate and they come back and they come into the labor force and just boost the, the level of young workers out there. And particularly, we're still seeing that older workers, many of those that have retired over the course of the pandemic are not coming back. They've retired and they're staying retired. And so we continue to see this big crunch for labor across the economy. And of course, this has very direct ties to what we've already talked about with wages. Uh, What's really driving up wages right now is both pretty strong demand, although as Brian just mentioned, the demand is starting to wane on the margins and coming back to earth a little bit from the, the very high numbers that we've seen over the course of the past two years, but mainly lack of supply. Uh, and even if we do see some easing in the demand for labor over, say, the next three, six, even a little longer months after that, as long as we continue to have this very low supply, I, I think we're going to still see above average wage gains. And that has very important implications for the services side of the inflation components. As as we see goods and commodity prices come down, we're, the, the focus of inflation is shifting over to the services side. And unfortunately, without seeing any boost in the labor supply, we're unlikely to see those wage gains slow meaningfully anytime soon. That means, unfortunately, continued upward pressure on the services side for inflation. Well, Ben, that's a great segue to my next question for Brian. You know, the Fed is about to hold their final meeting of 2022 and it's likely that faster wage growth will add to inflation concerns. So how do the latest labor market trends impact the Fed's policy choices, you know, both at next week's meeting and over the course of 2023? I think there's reason to believe that the inflation rate will come down in 2023. It already is coming down. We peaked at, at 9.1% in the middle of this year. We're we're already down to 7.7%. And given some of the idiosyncrasies around that rise in inflation last year and, 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 and this year, again, I think there's, there's reason to expect further declines in 2023. That said, a tight labor market by itself is enough to spur Fed tightening. It's often forgotten now, but when the Fed started its last tightening cycle in 2015, the inflation rate was less than 1%. We didn't have a 7.7% inflation rate, a 9.1% inflation rate. We had a sub 1% inflation rate, a very disinflationary inflation rate. And yet the Fed started raising rates at that time, slowly at first, but picking up the pace later in that cycle with inflation remaining relatively in check through most of, of that period. So even if inflation comes down, a tight labor market in and of itself is enough to keep the Fed on track. We had strong job growth last month. We had very strong wage growth that at least keeps the Fed concerned about the potential for more sustainable inflationary pressure. So as long as we see numbers along these lines, the Fed is going to continue to tighten, perhaps not as aggressively as it has tightened over the course of the last several months. Several Fed officials have suggested fairly explicitly that this month will get a 50 basis point rate, rate increase rather than the 75 basis point rate increases of, of recent months. And perhaps we'll see more along those lines going forward. But until the labor market turns, it's unlikely 
that we're going to see the Fed stop. At some point, the labor market will turn. Uh, uh, Aggressive Fed tightening will eventually slow the economy enough that we see a more muted labor market. But but for now, these are the types of numbers that are are going to keep the Fed very much in play. Brian, I I would completely agree with what you had to say there. You know, I think that we will see the Fed start to downshift here. And we're not going to see 75 basis point moves. We're going to see more 50 and 25 basis points moves as we look ahead to the meeting in December and into you know January and then March of 2023. But still, that means more tightening to come. Well, thank you, Ben. And thank you, Brian. That's going to wrap it up for today. Our team will closely watch what the Fed does at their December meeting. And in our next podcast, we will provide our instant reaction to that. Also, Later this month, we will provide our economic outlook for 2023. Join us as we share our insight and perspective on where the economy and financial markets are headed next year. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you can be notified as soon as each episode is released. Until next time, for Nationwide Market Insights, this is Brian Kirk. The information provided by Nationwide Economics is general in nature and not intended as investment or economic advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any security or adopt any investment strategy. Additionally, it does not take into account any specific investment objectives, tax, or financial condition or particular needs of any specific person. The economic and market forecasts reflect our opinion as of the date of this report and are subject to change without notice. These forecasts show a broad range of possible outcomes. Because they are subject to high levels of uncertainty, they will not reflect actual performance. We obtain certain information from sources deemed reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, completeness, or fairness. Nationwide and the Nationwide Inn and Eagle are service marks of the Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company. Copyright 2022. Nationwide.